Let's pray. Father, we ask now that you would speak to us through your word. Help us to orient our, our life and all that is coming in the new year uh, toward, toward you and what you have for us. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the things that I'm starting to miss as my kids get older is the evening ritual of reading a picture book before they go to bed. And we've moved on to reading some other books at night, uh, the Narnia series and The Hobbit, which are great, but there was really something special about reading picture books before bed at night. And one of the books that's on our kids' shelves is a book called Going on a Bear Hunt. And it's about a family that heads out on a hike looking to catch a bear. I don't know who these people are who on their days take their kids out to look for a bear, but this is what the story is about. It's just a picture book. We're going on a bear hunt. We're going to catch a big one. What a beautiful day. We're not scared. And they're out on this hike, and they have all sorts of obstacles that they have to go through before they can find the bear. First, they come to a big field of grass, and then a big patch of mud, and then a creaky old bridge, and then a dark forest, and then a cave. And when they get to each one of these obstacles, the book has this refrain that gets repeated. Oh, no, mud. We can't go over it. We can't go under it. We can't go around it. We've got to go through it. Oh, no, a big, scary bridge. We can't go over it. We can't go under it. We can't go around it. We've got to go through it. Oh, no, a deep, dark forest. We can't go over it. We can't go under it. We can't go around it. We've got to go through it. In the next year, we are going to face a lot of challenges and obstacles. This next year is going to come with a lot of challenges and frustrations and disappointments. Most of us have felt the financial strains of the last couple of years and are likely going to continue to feel that in the year to come. We're going to continue to see images and hear news of people, men, women, and children dying in the war in Israel and Palestine and Ukraine and Russia. We're going to continue to hear about Christians being persecuted in Nigeria and China. We have a presidential election coming up that we're all very, very excited about. Personally, each one of us can name some challenge or frustration that's unique to your own life, some possible suffering that's out there on the horizon in this next year that you are dreading. And those are just some of the things that we know are coming, right? There are many things that are coming in the next year that we know nothing about yet, that we can't know about. So here's the truth. All of us are going to come across things throughout the next year where we're going to come up against this problem in our life, this suffering, this trial, and we're going to say, oh, no. Some problem, some path of, of sickness or suffering, the loss of a loved one, and we're going to try to find some way to figure out how to go around it or how to go over it or how to go under it. 
but we've got to go through it. So I want you to take a moment here as we begin to consider the year ahead. I'm going to take a couple minutes of silence to consider what it is that you may be most anxious or fearful about. Something ahead of you in this year that you see coming that you would really rather not go through. And in this time of silence, I would like to ask you to name that thing, to identify it, and to hold it open in your hands to God and to tell him about it. Lord, this is what I'm concerned about. This is what I'm frightened of. So you just take this couple of minutes to be quiet and to name that thing, to open it in your hands before God and to tell him what you're concerned about or frightened for. So as you listen to this sermon today, I just want you to hold that thing in, in your mind as you, as you listen to the sermon this morning. As you approach this, this suffering in your life, this pressure, this disappointment, this pain, whatever it is, you and I, and it's normal, if you're like most people, are going to want to ignore it or avoid it in some way. We're going to come up against it and we're going to try to find ways to go under it or over it or around it, some way to avoid it. For some people... Here, it will look something like putting more hours in at the office. I'm going to work my way around avoiding this trial that I'm going through. For others, it will be numbing yourself through some addiction. For others of you, your avoidance or ignoring of the suffering will be deflecting the suffering. You know, other people in the world have it much worse than me. It's not that big of a deal. I'll get through it. All of us have our own ways of avoiding or ignoring or deflecting or numbing the pain because it's just too hard. The suffering that we go through is hard and we don't want to face it. We want to figure out some way to go around it or under it or over it because we do not want to go through it. But the Bible is very clear about the inevitability of suffering and trials in our life. Because of the fall, because of the reality of evil and brokenness caused by human sin, all of us, every single one of us, are subject to suffering and trials. After Adam and Eve sin, God describes what the curse of that sin is going to be. He tells Adam and Eve that their descendants are going to experience conflict between one another that their work is going to be frustrated with weeds and thorns and is only going to be successful with sweat and tears. Bringing children into the world is going to be filled with pain. Because of the fall, even the good things of our life, our relationships, our work, our children, even the good things of our life are tainted with disappointment and failures and frustration. As we move on through the scriptures, this theme continues in the life of the people of Israel. After generations of slavery, God finally comes and he rescues them. He saves them out of slavery and they go through the Red Sea and they go into the promised land. And after that, everything is perfect. Where do they go after the Red Sea? They go into the desert for 40 years. And life in the desert is terrible. They're hungry. They are thirsty. They don't know where they're going. For 40 years, they're lost. 
And then they finally do cross the Jordan River and they enter into the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey, and everything is perfect, right? No, there's Canaanites there and they cause all sorts of problems for Israel. But then Joshua and the Israelites, they drive out the Canaanites from the land. And so the land is their own. And so things are gonna be perfect now, right? No, we have the book of Judges. Do you remember the book of Judges a couple years ago? Now, Israel, everyone's doing right in their, what's right in their own eyes. They have terrible leaders. Now the problems aren't external, the Canaanites. Now they're internal in us here in Israel. The message of the life of Israel that we, we heard read, Joe and Kathy, thank you for choosing that text today. The story of the life of Israel is filled with problems. And throughout that, we can say God's love endures forever. All God's people's got problems. You can't go around them. You can't go over them. You can't go under them. You have to go through them. And the rest of the Bible is very realistic about the reality of the suffering that we will face in our life. Jesus and Paul and the other gospel writers, certainly John in the book of Revelation, they're all very aware and very plain that, they are going, that we will suffer trials, frustrations, disappointments, all of the thorns and the weeds that are promised in Genesis chapter 3. It's part of our human experience And it's definitely a part of the experience of people who call themselves Christians. There is this specific story in the book of Exodus where the Israelites are complaining and grumbling about going through the desert. And so Numbers chapter 21 says that God sends a bunch of snakes to bite them. It's a really strange story. Do you remember this story? It's in Numbers chapter 21. I want you to turn with me there to Numbers chapter 21. It says this. They tra- uh, uh, Numbers 21 verse, for, uh, verse 4. They traveled from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom. But the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the desert? There is no bread, there is no water, and we detest this miserable food. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people, and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. And so Moses prayed for the people. The Lord said to Moses, make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. And then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, he lived. What a strange story. But I think this story, this specific incident in the desert has a lot to say to us about suffering in our life. The first thing I want us to notice in this story is that God doesn't take the snakes away after Moses prays that God would send relief. Moses comes to God and he asks him for relief, but the way that God offers relief is not to send the snakes away. People keep getting bit, but what he does instead is provide for them a way to be healed when they do get bit by them. There is no getting rid of the snakes in our life. 
the suffering is going to be there. There may be preachers on TV that tell you otherwise, and they are lying. Because of sin and the fallen nature of our world, suffering is real. There's no getting rid of the snakes. And in this story, what we see is if we are going to actually experience healing, if we're actually going to experience healing from these snake bites, they actually have to look at an image of the thing that's causing them to suffer. They can't go around it. They can't go under it or over it. They have to go through it. They have to look at it. And we spend a lot of our lives avoiding the things that we are most afraid of, the things that we're most ashamed of, the thing that may cause us to suffer. We numb ourselves, we avoid, we do whatever we can to maintain our sense of comfort. We ask God to send the snakes away, and he doesn't do it. Instead, he offers us something far better. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. James 1, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of any kind, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And perseverance, when it finishes its work, it makes you mature and complete, not lacking anything. Philippians 2, continue to persevere in your salvation, working it out with fear and with trembling, for it is God who is at work in you to will and to act according to his good purpose for your life. God does not promise to take away the snakes. Instead, he offers us himself. He offers his personal presence with us in the trials and suffering. And so that as we go through that trial and that suffering, we can actually become mature and whole people that he is at work making you to be. So as we enter into this new year, I want to help us for a few minutes to orient our minds and our thoughts in the right direction. I want to hold before us the goal of the Christian life, the purpose that God has for each one of us, which is maturity in Christ and the way that suffering plays a role in that maturity. Every single one of us has certain goals in our life. We have certain aspirations, certain hopes, certain desires for our life that are really important to us in the deep places of our heart and mind. And suffering gets in the way of us experiencing those things. That's why we don't like to suffer, because it gets in the way of the things that we really want. For some people, those hopes and those desires are our safety and security to be free from danger, to, be, to live a life that's carefree and fun. For other people, their goal and desire is this need to be at peace, to be at rest, to be safe, for the stresses of life to not bother them. For other people, it's, it's the need to be loved and admired by other people. For some people, it's the need to be in control. 
All of us have some ideal in our mind, some goal or desire that we have for our life, and we order and structure our life in such a way to gain and attain these things, and suffering gets in the way of us getting them. Some suffering comes along in life, and it gets in the way from us experiencing that peace or that safety that we desire keeps and reminds us that we're not in control, disturbs us from that peace that we have. Some personal failure gets in the way and reminds us that not everyone is always going to admire us and think that we're great. We come up against some suffering or trial in our life and we look at it and we say, oh, no. Oh, no, mud. Oh, no, a big, scary bridge, a deep, dark forest. Oh, no, my car needs another repair. Oh, no, the budget just isn't working this month. Oh, no, another election. Oh, no, my spouse is sick. My kid is sick. My mom is sick. Oh, no, I relapsed again, and I'm going to have to experience all of that shame all over again. Oh, no, cancer. Oh, no, he's gone. She's gone. We come up against these things in our life, and we try everything we can to go around them or under them or over them because the suffering is too hard, and it robs us of the things that we want, our comfort, our safety, our sense of security, our sense of control. That thing that we orient our life toward achieving is threatened. And so, of course, we're going to do everything that we can to avoid it. So I just want to remind each one of us, if it hasn't happened to you in your life already, if it doesn't happen to you in 2024, there will be a time in your life where it will happen. There will be some circumstance or event in your life where you will finally realize that that thing that you've been living for, comfort or safety or fun or the admiration of other people or whatever other thing, something will come along and you will lose it because we can't avoid the snakes. And so God offers us something far better. He doesn't always take away the snakes. He doesn't always take away the suffering. Instead, what he does is offer something better. He offers us himself. There's a story in the Gospel of John where Jesus is talking to Nicodemus about how to experience eternal life. And Jesus refers back to this strange story in the book of Numbers about the snakes biting in the wilderness. And about how Moses had to, to make a bronze snake and wrap it around a pole and lift it up so that anyone who looked at it would be healed. And Jesus says to Nicodemus that this story was a story that pointed to me. That I, the son of man, would be lifted up on a pole so that everyone who looks at me, who believes in me, will experience eternal life. The good news is that just as often as the scriptures promise us the inevitability of trials and suffering, of thorns and thistles and pain, 
Just as often as those are promised, we are promised two other things that are far better and greater than anything that we can hope for or imagine. That in that trial and pain, that God is with us and that he is at work in them. Those are two promises that are told to us over and over again. And if we orient our life toward him and his purposes for us, if we look to him when the suffering comes, he promises that he will be with us and he will be using that suffering to make us mature and complete so that we lack nothing. So while we're tempted to order our lives, to make decisions in our lives, to bring ourselves comfort or safety or control or the admiration of others or some other thing, the scriptures call us to orient our lives towards something else, towards maturity and completeness in Christ. And if our goal is safety or comfort or the admiration of others, when that suffering comes, we're going to do everything that we can to avoid it. But if our goal is maturity in Christ, then we can know that as we walk through that suffering, he is walking with us and that he is doing a good thing in us as we walk through it. And I just want to say that the testimonies that we heard last week and the testimony from Steve this week were such a blessing to me because they expressed exactly the point that I'm hoping that we hear today from the scriptures. And that is that God's present presence is always intertwined with our experience of grief and suffering. And the testimonies that I hear from people in my life that I've heard in the past that I consider mature and whole people are people whose testimonies in no way minimize the suffering that they experience, do not ignore just how hard it was, But at the very same time, and wish that it never happened to them, but at the very same time cannot imagine what their lives would be like without going through that thing. They look back and they see how terrible it is. They look back and they wish that it would not have happened, but it's in that time where they experienced that God was most present and most real and most alive and at work in their life in that moment. And sometimes they don't see it in the moment. It's only on looking backwards that they're able to see that. Do you remember Jesus in the garden on the night before his crucifixion? Jesus knew that he was about to experience all of the worst possible things that a human being can experience. All of the suffering and all of the pain that you and I experience is expressed and summed up in the passion of Christ. And Jesus knew that he was about to undergo all of that to bear the burden of all of that on his shoulders. And he went off by himself and knelt down to pray to the Father. And he said, Oh no. Oh no. A cross? Is there any other way, Father? Can I go under it? Or over it? Or around it? Father, if there's any other way, please show me. I don't want to go through it. But this is the good news, friends. We have a God who loves us. A God who did not remain far off and distant from our suffering, but entered into the trials and suffering of our very life. He didn't go under them. 
or over them or around them. He went through them. And the promise is that when we go through them, he is with us. The promise is that when we go through them, he is doing a good work in us as we go through them, making us mature and complete and whole and healed and forgiven and known and loved. He walks with us and he leads us through it, through it, through it. We don't have to stay stuck there forever. Suffering is real in this life, but there is a way through it. He leads us through it to resurrection, to eternal life. Suffering is a part of our story here in this falling, fallen world, but it is not the end of the story, friends. On the other side of the cross, on the other side of your own suffering is the resurrection of Jesus and your own resurrection that he's made available to you. On the other side of the mud and mire of the thorns and the thistles and the pain and the tears, on the other side of the cross of Jesus is the resurrection of Jesus. And he right now is with you walking through all of what you are going through. He's present with you. He is Emmanuel. Thank you, Joe. He is here. He is with you and he is working in you, bringing you to maturity and wholeness and completion all the way to the resurrection that he has for you. So I want you now, as we finish, to come back to the thing that you brought to your attention earlier, that thing that you are looking toward in 2024 that you're nervous about, that you're dreading, that you feel some anxiety or fear about. And I want you to ask God, Lord, would you walk with me through this? And Lord, would you do the work in me that you want to do? So take a couple minutes to ask the Lord for his presence with you in it and for him to do his work in you as you walk through it. God, I pray today for my friends here, for my brothers and sisters in Christ. You know their fears and their anxieties. You know what the year ahead, what all that lies in store for each one of us. And we thank you for the promise that we have in your scriptures that you are in all of that in every moment that you are Emmanuel, God with us. And that as we seek you, as we look to you, the crucified Lord, that you want to take this suffering and to make us people who are mature and complete, people who are wise, people who know how to respond to the suffering of others. Lord, we ask that you would do that work in us, each individually, and in us as a body here at Broadway Christian, that you would make us mature and complete, not lacking anything. We ask these things in the name of of Jesus and in the spirit you have given us. Amen.